Good morning, friends. Today's message is titled, Poking Holes in the Darkness. And my text, as we continue kind of through a walk through Ephesians, comes from chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. I think most of us would probably agree that uh, 2020 has been one dark time after another. But one disaster seemed to die down, another seemed to pop up. And while all the stuff connected with COVID-19 and riots and protests and wearing masks and politics and the economy and on and on bothers me, even as I'm sure it bothers you, there's one more thing that bothers me more. Put simply, it just seems like the church has lost or is losing its influence. Now, there are many reasons why this is so, but one reason kind of stands out above the rest as I think about it is this. The church has lost its influence because Christ followers have neglected their responsibility to be light in this dark world. And the way that I see that quite often, and I'm guilty of it, and I try to stay away from that, but as we join in the whining and the complaining on Twitter and Facebook and all of the social media, we have neglected to be what God called us to be, and that's salt and light. And as a, as a result, the world has decided to kind of ignore us or push us to the side. In fact, I just saw um, some film of in the protests of the riots out in uh, Oregon where they were actually burning Bibles, as if Bible means nothing anymore. Now, when Paul wrote to this young church in Ephesus, he knew that they were an island of light in a city filled with darkness. I mean, how could that tiny band of believers make a difference in the huge city that was home to the world-famous Temple of Artemis? Well, in Ephesians 5, 8 to 14, Paul gives us his answer. He says, you're the light of God. Live like it. Let your light shine. It it will chase away the darkness. Some people won't like it. Shine your light anyway. And others will eventually join you in the light. You see, friends, what I'm saying is what worked in the first century still works in 2020. Now, in this passage today, I think we see three remarkable results when the light of God enters a dark world. Now, first of all, we know that light transforms. Verse 8 says, For you were once darkness, but now your light in the Lord live as children of light. So here we've got a beautiful picture of conversion. You know, coming to Christ is like walking from darkness into a room filled with blazing light. But once you come out of the darkness, you see things you've never seen before. When you lived in the dark, uh, you did what you wanted. But now in the light, you you need to put off the deeds of darkness and put on that new lifestyle fitting for the child of light. Now, verse 9 spells this out for us. It says, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Let's think about those three words quickly. Goodness touches how we deal with other people. Righteousness involves a new commitment to obey God's commands. And truth demands a deep commitment to live with integrity. So our new goal is spelled out in verse 10, find out what pleases the Lord. You see, friends, we are no longer free agents making up our moral choices as we go along. Christians believe something stupendous that the world does not understand at all. We all believe there is a God in heaven who has spoken, that his word is authoritative, and that he has the absolute right to determine our moral choices which includes what we say, what we eat or drink, who we have sex with, how we conduct our business affairs, how we spend our money, all the other choices we make in life. So let's be frank 
and say that the world finds this strange, somewhat mysterious, possibly antisocial, and borderline dangerous. In short, we believe something the world rejects, that there is a God in heaven who has spoken and whose words about sexuality should be obeyed. The government may pass whatever laws it wants to, but no act of Congress or edict from the Supreme Court can overturn what God has already said. And understand, I'm not going to talk about sex today because Paul's focus goes way beyond that in, the, in this chapter. It includes every area of life. But to be a child of light means that you pray every day, Lord, show me how I can please you today. After many, many years as a Christian, and I should say many, many decades for myself, I have concluded that nothing else matters as much as this. If we genuinely want to please the Lord, we will find a way to do it. However imperfectly we live, and no matter how many times we fall short, God will help us if we genuinely want to please him. Well, here's the second thing about light. We know that light exposes. In verses 11 to 12, it says, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Well, that's just simply saying some things should not be mentioned in public. And no doubt Paul has in mind the various rituals associated with the temple of Artemis or the temple of Diana, which was located in Ephesus. That temple was considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world that drew worshipers and tourists from all over. Temple rituals combined overt idolatry with every sort of sexual excess. When Paul speaks of things done in secret, he means a, a pretty vile form of evil that goes beyond ordinary acts of rebellion. It describes evil that is gross, unnatural, and perverted. And certainly this applied to sexual immorality associated with the idol worship at this temple of Artemis. But friends, the light of the gospel exposes evil for what it really is. Now let me illustrate. If you were to plan to buy a an expensive diamond. You would want to look at it in the brightest light possible before you make the purchase because light is going to expose the hidden flaws in the stone. Shadows hide the flaws, but light reveals all of them. Similarly, when the gospel enters a person or a family or a relationship or even a church, the hidden secrets will be revealed. When the gospel invades a community, corruption comes to light. That is why we need to take Paul's warning here seriously. We must not trifle with evil, make jokes about it, or laugh it off. Be careful how you deal with the unfruitful works of darkness. Now, the motto today seems to be, do whatever you want to do or tell it like it is, we used to say. And yet, that can be a dangerous policy when it comes to exposing the filthy things of darkness, lest we unconsciously advertise and promote sin. Now, Paul issues the same warning in a different way in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. He says, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Now, sometimes in our zeal or passion to help the hurting, we sometimes ignore that last phrase. You know, Satan is tricky. He knows that if he can get one person trapped in sin, he may soon get another and then another. And that is why doctors, as well as us in these strange days, wash our hands so often. Why we wear masks? You know, we don't want to. We don't want to get in contact with that deadly coronavirus. And not only must we avoid giving germs uh, to other people, we need to guard against receiving them. 
It, but in our attempts to help others, we need to be careful lest we start making excuses or offering rationalizations or avoiding confrontation or letting sympathy replace truth. Verse 13 describes the result of this ministry of reproof. It says, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. One other Bible translation puts it very simply, light exposes the true character of everything. Now, it's not hard to understand this. When a, when a, a little child cries in a dark room, his mom or dad turns on the light and the tears quickly vanish. The light shows the little one that there's no reason to be afraid. I mean, the monsters of their imagination or whatever it was vanish when mom or dad turn on the light. Now, apply this to the spiritual realm. A wise counselor friend of mine once said, you're only as sick as your secrets. You can't get any better until you begin to tell the truth to yourself. As long as you live a double life with one foot in the light and one foot in the darkness, you will be forever torn and double-minded and unhealthy because your heart is divided. We shouldn't be surprised when some people resent us for shining the light of God's truth. I mean, who are you to judge me? Well, the answer is I'm a nobody. I have no standing to judge anyone. But God calls me to shine the light of his truth and let it judge the human heart. Remember that the word of God is like a double-edged sword. You can read that in Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13. It cuts through all the nonsense, exposes all the lies, reveals all the deception, and lays bare the evil in every human heart. But it hurts to be cut with a sword. And I say that's no wonder that people don't really like strong preaching. No wonder they label us as reactionary fundamentalists or bigots or hate mongers and all the rest uh, and I, I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. The truth hurts, and it will hurt you before it heals you. This applies to Christ's followers just as much as it applies to anyone else. That same light that exposes the evils of society also exposes our own hypocrisy, our secret sins, our pride, our, our sinful ambition, our sexual compromise, our love of money, our need for power, our lust for approval, and, and all the other hidden idols of the heart. Now, the last phrase of verse 13 suggests that light actually has transforming power. In the Phillips translation, it goes this way. It is even possible, after all that happened to you, for light to turn the thing it shines upon into light also. See, first, light penetrates and scatters the darkness. Then it illuminates the hidden evil. But then the light begins to change the very thing it shines upon into light itself. That darkness can only produce more darkness, but light can turn the darkness into light. And friends, when God turns on the light in someone's life, the darkness is gone forever. There's an old Hank Williams song. You can kind of guess I like country western music to a degree. kind of captures this truth. He's saying, I wandered so aimless, life filled with sin, I would not let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow in sight. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Well, that is really our third point, that light awakens. This is why it says in verse 14, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, I've heard some people refer to this verse as the Bible in miniature. It compares Ephesians 5.14 to John 3.16 saying that both verses contain the essential truth we need to know about salvation. 
We should also point out that this verse calls for something impossible when it says, rise from the dead. I mean, after all, Paul already said back in Ephesians 2, you are dead in your transgressions and sins. So the question is, how can a dead man, a dead woman, rise from the dead? Isn't that like talking to a corpse and commanding it to stand up? I, I, I mean, what would we think if a man walked into a mortuary or into a church and walked up to a casket and started shouting, wake up, you've been dead long enough. I think that kind of guy would be carted off to a hospital somewhere because we all know that dead people can't come to life on their back to life on their own. A man who is dead cannot raise himself. He must be quickened. This life-giving power extraneous outside must come to him if he is to live. But when the light of the gospel comes into a person's life, it wakes up the spiritually dead and draws them to Jesus. We call that conversion. That's salvation or new birth. That's the life-transforming power of the gospel when Jesus comes into a life. Now, this passage shows us what happens when the light of God begins to shine in the world. First, the light shines on us and transforms us from darkness into light. And in the process, that same light purifies us on the inside so that we seek to please God in everything. First, we need to be transformed by that light. Second, the light shining through us changes away the darkness and exposes the evil done under the cover of night. You know, men love darkness rather than light. I mean, John 3.19 tells us that. They often fight against the light of God. But when the light does its work thoroughly, it contains within itself a healing power. Because the light comes from God, it can take the darkness and turn it into light. We know that's true because that's what's happened to us. And third, the light awakens those who are asleep and raises them from the dead. Now, this is why Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. This is why he boldly preached in the very heart of the ancient world, in Corinth and Ephesus and Athens and Rome. Paul knew that when the gospel shines on a society, the light will expose some people. It'll make them angry, but that same light will awaken others to their need for Jesus. From experience, I can tell you that light makes some people incredibly angry. But I want to suggest to you that you and I, as Christ followers, are made for times like this. I think we are facing a magnificent opportunity. Now, earlier I spoke of the moral decay going on all around us, but don't worry, the darker the night, the brighter the light shines. It is precisely when the world is at its worst that the people of God should be at their best. And we were made for times like these. So let no one be deceived, it will not be easy. The world does not want the light, but friends, it desperately needs it. Now, we are not called to save the world, only God can do that. But we are called to make a difference. We cannot do everything, but we can do something. And what we can do, we ought to do. We need to go poke some holes in the darkness this week. Lord Jesus, grant that we would not be even slightly disappointed at the conditions around us. You have made us for times like these. Give us a new vision of the difference we can make in our world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Go poke some holes in the darkness, my friends. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, feel the passion.